Kian, I would not go to a restaurant. Parthiv, if you're going to cough, you have to... Are meet. you okay? <laughs> Welcome back to Dear Mindy Kaling, the podcast about... Oh, shit. What's our intro? What do I say? Sana, you know how to do it. I know, but... Welcome back to... Yeah, but what is the podcast about? This is an open love letter to one, Mindy (laughs) Kaling. I am your adjective host, Sanya. And I'm joined by none other than... No, that was very good. I have to reject it, but it was very good. Parsev and Kian. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Then a minute or two since last we recorded an episode together, has it not? Especially compared with how frequently we were doing the first, like, five. Yeah. We were pumping them out. No, we truly were. We were at my house at what was intended to be 9 a.m. and turned into, like, 10 a.m. for Parsev, but he showed up without a laptop and he was like, I have to go at one and Kian at like 10.30, but like with all the things. That was once because I had to go to the Taj that night, okay? Oh, poor you. That was a different day. I'm talking about the day you left to get a haircut and then came back and then left to go to the dentist again. Anyway, um, how are you guys? No, one second. If you can't tell already, due to like the minor distortions when they're laughing, we are recording over Zoom today. Not only are we recording over Zoom, my Zoom, which allows us to do over 40 minutes, does not let me screen record. So we have to do it over separate, um, several little sessions, which will be um, interesting. But how are you guys? Kian, go first. Oh, I am freezing. It's 20 degrees. Kian. Where I am, <laughs> uh, which for me is too cold. And it's raining and it's just a lot. I um, have been sleeping in until 4 p.m., which is not good for anybody. Yeah, no. And tomorrow, yeah, I know. But tomorrow no. is a Monday and I'm fixing everything tomorrow. Okay, let's do a weather check. Having... What's your weather? Let's do a weather check, then can continue. My yeah. weather is I actually have a check because I'm not that hyper aware of it. No, uh, I just checked too, that's why. Mine's 14 degrees and it's a light drizzle outside. Mine is 12 degrees and sunshine, but I'm very happy with this weather. Same, I'm happy too. I didn't have to necessarily wear a jacket, but I chose to anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was... Wow. <laughs> Sorry, Kian, we didn't mean to invalidate your problem. <laughs> Continue. And um, tomorrow is a new day. It's Monday. I already said that. But like I said, I'm going to fix my life, even though I have no classes. And I'm going to have me time and make time to wash my hair for 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, and do my nails, which I haven't done. And maybe um, tease and groom my facial hair. Okay. Uh, you know, I will will enjoy. <laughs> you know, I'm a big advocate for setting 40 minutes aside to wash your hair. Like, I yeah. basically planned my week around it. Parsif, what about you? How have you been? I'm good since the last time we spoke. Actually, not just since the last time we spoke, but since the last time the people heard me, I've turned 19, which means I'm now... Oh. 
Now you're no longer. What did you say? Newbile. No, no longer the newbile age of eighteen. Yeah. And with that has come a host of health issues because recently, I have broken into a rash, which is unexplained. I'm still trying to figure out the cause of this rash. And you think it's age? Yeah, it's all over my arm <laughs> and my foot. Yeah. Oh. You want to? Say- yes. <gasps> oh no! Oh! I don't like oh. that. No one's gonna ask how I am. Sanya, how are you? <laughs> oh, this is one of the perils of being the host. Um, I'm DBH on day five or six of a migraine. It has not been fun at all. I've had to have like, like these little like Bali earrings that I wear. I've had to take it out of the right ear and then have it hanging from the left ear because I couldn't have the earring in. It's definitely getting better. It's just taking so long. It's so frustrating, and I think it's because I ate. A delicious slice of coconut cake, and I'm allergic to coconut and sugar. I recently found out, and I and I know that the sugar is a big exacerbator for my headaches. I also did I tell you guys. I feel like I did a few nights ago. I woke up on Tuesday morning. I woke up with this like loud, insane sound, and it was like <sighs> the sound was like that. Okay, I woke up, and my entire room is covered in steam and smoke, both. And the previous tenant in my apartment had left the heat on on full, and this was the first night that it had turned on. And it's like regulated heating, so like the heat turns on for the whole building. But something was wrong with it, so there was steam coming out of it so much so that the entire room, like the windows, the oh my god, where's my notebook? The notebook that was in the room, and all of the things I had written on it, not in ball pen. Got ruined. Oh. My bed was wet from steam. All the laundry I did a few days ago was like. Sopping wet, and I couldn't see anything because of how much uh, steam there was. And then <laughs> I tried to figure out how to switch it off because I hadn't had to like navigate that yet. And I tried touching the thing, and it was hot. So I went outside. I got an oven mitt and a trivet. I go with the oven mitt and the trivet to turn the thing. I touch it for up to two seconds, like if I'm being generous. And I burned my thumb through it. So it was that happened. And then I slept on the sofa the next night, even though I got this fixed later in the day. Um, but I think you know maybe that didn't help me either, like with my back because this is kind of a firm sofa. And I woke up, and a whole other awful thing had happened, which I don't think I want to talk about on the podcast. But my back's been hurting so much that I've had to like basically free the nip since Tuesday, and I'm wearing a white shirt today, and I'm kind of paranoid that you guys can see my nips through my shirt and passes leaning close to the camera to like get a look. But I think it's fine because I'm wearing a seaward shirt. And what is a seaward shirt? You might ask. It's a shirt that says the word seaward on it, except I spaced the letters out nicely. And then the people at the t-shirt printing place took the liberty of being like, mm, "That doesn't look right," and they put the C at the same distance as all of the letters in the word "ward." So now it looks like it says "quad," <laughs> and they're matching shirts that we all have. Yeah, they're quad t-shirts. Yeah, there yeah. are. Yeah, there are quad t-shirts. Oh, guys. You and my dream two nights ago, and What? yeah, and we were in a location. But honestly, that's all I can remember because last I had a different dream this night, and I didn't document our dream appropriately. I just remember that we were in a location. I'm glad we were in a location. <laughs> Good. Um, Love being in location. <laughs> I have like I I think like it depends for me location to location, <laughs> but yeah we were definitely in a location together and I was like that's sweet. 
we also want to talk about so the last time Parthiv and I had a long conversation something that came up was that was the day that Sonam Kapoor had um dropped her baby name her baby name had been released <laughs> and Parthiv was like let's talk about the name and so Parthiv <laughs> say what the name is Vayu Astra yeah and so the thing first of all that's I thought it was just Vayu it's just Vayu but to me it's Vayu Astra Parthiv this is a child she didn't even know what the movie was called. You can't do that. <laughs> There's no way. There was no premonition. How can you say Vayu Astra? Okay, anyway. So Vayu. But also Parthiv called me and he was telling me about that. And I was like, that's all fine. What about the location tag? It's <laughs> like, I didn't see it. And I was like, you didn't see it. The location tag for Sonam Kapoor, our queen's baby announcement <laughs> was India. <laughs> didn't she kill it? But by the way, the child has a British passport. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I feel like the fact that the location was India clarified that. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't even India. It was India. You yeah. know? <laughs> India. Um, but shall we do our love notes? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. raring to go. Yeah, she is. And so, go Queen. Queen. My love note is to the one, the only, Natasha Basu Grover. What? I don't want to her husband's last name. I don't want her to. I'm getting a shirt. She is also pregnant. She is also pregnant. And we should all pay attention to that. Yeah. Because the Queen of Indian Horror is dropping a child. She's dropping a child. (laughs) And I was... I want to give a shout out. They don't need our shout outs, but to diet Sabia. I think you should rephrase dropping a child because that also means abortion. <laughs> no, 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 it no it doesn't. No yeah. one's ever Only no one's ever Hindi. said that. In Hindi, that means that. But yeah. that's what I'm saying. But passive, no one's gonna be like. But she no out. Yeah, but okay, that's not what I mean. Her child is like she's gonna pop anytime now. <laughs> <laughs> the Pasha Basu used to be a fashion girl, according to Diet Sabia. True. And did you know that Sabia Sachi's most iconic blouse is called Bipasha because it was made for her? I did not. That's so important. You she know is too important. Song? She also has a song about her. Yeah. Okay, good one. Kian, but what do you... Okay, if, imagine she was listening now. What would you say to her? I would say... I think it's really horrible how Bollywood has cast you aside. And that I think we should work on a Hindi horror movie together. Where she is the producer and I will help her write it. Yeah, good bitch. I will say the thing you said about Sabia Sachi reminded me about a fact that I don't like. Which is that like in season two of Bollywood Wives, Bhavna being like, did you know Manish got into making wedding wear for me as the first bride? And I was like, I didn't need to know. And I won't know it. And I'm remembering it for this moment and then I will forget it again. As you should. Thanks. What about you, PC? I don't want to go last, actually. No, you can't. <laughs> she never allows that. I mean, and- you can, but... <laughs> I'm caught between two love notes. And I might do them both. And I think that they're both appropriate. And no one's making like a like a um, voracious head nod no. So I'm just going to do it. So my first one is one that is long, long overdue. And I'm sorry it's taken this long. It is um, Justin Wig 
when I was in, I want to say the sixth or seventh grade, and I was allowed to have my phone in my room at night. Um, I was really fed one type of YouTube video, and it was like I used to seek out other ones for sure, but the one that I was fed was like Tristan Wegesnell sketches, and they have shaped me so much. Um, I think she's so funny. Um, she like me has a background as um, like a visual artist and a painter, and then went to like acting and more comedic stuff. And um, she's so funny. I love every sketch of hers. I think that whole time at SNL was really okay. So I was thinking about the head writers at SNL, right? And I was like, well, I was thinking about Kyle Mooney last night, and I was like, he was so funny. And I was thinking about him. Actually, I'm gonna take a long time saying this. So Parthiv, you need to hold on to your thought. But um, I went and I watched Star with Kate, Blan- Kate Blanchett in it. And there's one scene where she's with this guy who was like in the Kingsman movies or whatever, but his hair was like, and I was like, is that guy the Mooney? And then I laughed so loudly in the theater that everyone was kind of like, <laughs> like they missed a comedic moment, but I was just laughing at a thought that I had had. Um, and I was like, is that guy Mooney? And then I was like, oh, Kyle Mooney's gone from SNL. And this morning I woke up to this awful sketch that they did about the Try Guys. And I was like, why would you do this? This is so bad. First of all, there are children, there's a wife. You didn't, you didn't do a John Mulaney one. This isn't okay. And you completely downplayed a situation about the nuances of like power dynamics in the workplace. Like it just did not come off well at all. And it seemed like they like watched like a 15 second clip of it and like an old, old person wrote this and they shouldn't have done it. And um, anyway, Kyle Mooney was so funny and I was watching his sketches. And then I was like, what if he was head writer? And then I was like, oh, well, he wouldn't have been. But then I was like, Colin Jost was head writer. He's no one's favorite. Um, Seth Myers was head writer and he's like, nice. But like, he was like, the head writer is never the best person on the cast. It's really like a curation thing. And Kristen Wiig joined when Tina Fey was head writer and then she was there well Seth was head writer as well but it was at a time where there were like way more female cast members than there had ever been and Tina Fey was the first female head writer but Kristen Wiig got so much attention because she was such a good performer and then I think about like Maya Rudolph and she's part of like the Amy Poehler like um Tina Fey, like that whole like group with like um, Rachel Dratch and all those people, but she's also like in Bridesmaids. And I just wonder about like overlap over then what the dynamics were with her being a female performer, getting more attention uh, without it being like, a, oh, she's a female head. You know what I mean? Because I don't think that she and, well, I didn't sense like a friendship between her and Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, but I could be wrong. But I'm a huge fan of hers. I think that she's really funny. Um, and I really, really love her original works. And um, my love for her and Bill Hader kind of goes hand in hand. And I'm really glad that The Skeleton Twins is a movie that exists. And if Kristen Wiig is listening, I just want to know, hey, where have you been? You were in the Wonder Woman movie. Um, I'm not sure if you've been in other stuff recently. Let's talk. Let's talk to each other. And my other one is to Quinta Brunson because I watched all of Abbott Elementary because my migraine was so bad that I couldn't get out of bed the other day. And I watched all of it. And I was like, wait, I'm enjoying. And I watched an interview of her a while ago, which was like, oh, there's so many like froggy sounds from the Zoom. But wait, so um, I watched an interview of hers a while ago where she was like, I wanted this to be a network sitcom, even though it can be harder 
to make certain choices and stuff within it or be able to do certain things because it's a network sitcom because network tv is accessible people can watch it in jail and i've always thought quinta was really cool she was like on we were like watching when she was on buzzfeed and then when she was like had that one line on new goal and then or like all those other things that she's done and um i think she's extremely cool and i look up to her a lot and i feel like she has a really clear sense of what she wants to do but she's not like she's not like i have a plan like she like knows what's important to her and how she wants to do the things she wants to do and i was watching um what's her name cheryl lee ralph is that her name yeah i was watching her emmy <coughs> acceptance speech and i've realized that i'll cry like that at like almost any emmy speech and i've known that for a while but it hasn't been like a tried and tested theory but recently i both tried and tested it and it's true and quinta branson i really look up to you and you don't have to talk to me if you don't want to but you can talk at me anytime you'd like um i'm a huge fan and i miss network sitcoms there's something about the return of sincerity after the pandemic in this post jad apatow landscape which we will get to later that um i'm a fan of Bhavi, would you like to go? I've been talking for half an hour. It's fine. Mine is very quick. But first, <laughs> I don't do and say I don't like Bon Yang, and I'm okay with that being out on the internet. Why don't you like him? I don't want to say more. What? It's okay. Anyway, okay. my love note is. I'm so a fun. fan. I would just like to clarify. I love Last Call Cherry Stars. Okay, lick his ass. I and like his podcast. I think he's funny. Um no, no 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 wait I want to say one more thing I'm so sorry. Did what? you watch my favorite SNL sketch of his is the one when um Oh, what's his name? How am I forgetting his name? One second. See, look what you've done. When okay, when um Simu Liu was on SNL and then they were like forced Asian to this, forced Asian to that and then Bono was like, "Remember this Simu, I'll always be gay." <laughs> that was such a good sketch. Hits and misses. That's what it's all about. Anyways, can I finish? Sorry, yeah. I even started. You started with a hate note. My love note <laughs> on to better and more positive things is to somebody that honestly has given me so much grace and honor in times of sadness. Because recently I was very upset one night, and I was like, "There's only one thing that'll make me happy." And it's watching Jaya Bachchan scream <laughs> at the paparazzi, and I know this because we've done this together. Yeah, we it have. Always induces the same emotion in me, and it's utter joy. No, truly, we're having a really shit day once, and you and I don't even remember what happened anymore because we watched Jaya Bachchan talking to the paps, and it changed everything. Yeah, just because you're NDTV, that does not, not mean you're not amazing. 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 Was that your caption, Kian, when you posted those pictures yes. of us? Oh, just because you. Yeah, no. She. But then I also visited some of her filmography. Mm. Okay, and I was like, wow, she really is the Judy Dench of Bollywood cinema. She has the same intensity and vigor, and she'll never be what Rekha is, which is like. I live. Then, uh, or like you know, even a Meryl Streep. I feel like Rekha is comparable to Meryl Streep. She'll never be those things. <laughs> But she's Judy Dench. Oh my she, god! If they had a cats in India, like a Ram Ramayana was called. Oh my god! She would not be in it. Yeah, but it would be in it. That's not true. No, she would not That's agree. Not. She would just say. She like, would literally but, not do that. Yeah, but Jaya yeah, Bachchan will agree because you know what? Jaya Bachchan is in, in the next Karan Johar movie, which I feel is. Wait, which one? Which one? Rocky Rani ki prem karani. What? 
Is she really in Rocky Rani? Yeah, she is. When is Rocky Rani out? Uh, Valentine's Day, twenty twenty three. I want to say. Oh, that sucks. Why? Because if we're gonna go on together. Anna, we won't be together. God, as you are. We're not gonna be together for a lot of like big releases. Name some. The master. Well, that happened That's already. Hard. Yeah, but still, I don't think we're gonna be a part of any of the. Okay, yeah. How is your How is your going home and watching the master experience? I did not watch it, Anya. Yeah, and you were like, I'm planning no, the weekend around it. I had a dinner. It. I had a dinner. I had a lunch with Nana Nani and all instead. Lame. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, guys. Excellent job on the love notes. I maybe went on for a bit too long, but I stand by everything I said. Now let's talk about today's episode. Today we're gonna talk about a theme that kind of has like surfaced in tiny ways in other episodes, or it's been something that we could have gone more into, but then we were reluctant to. And it definitely has a lot of overlap with something that we're gonna discuss later on. Um, the theme. is both a subject of sort of criticism in Mindy's work something that has a very significant place in a lot of her works and something that is often neglected in ideas of her work and much like um sort of the way that we covered motherhood we think that certain aspects of the start oh and even um male gazes and male dominated spaces for that matter certain aspects of Mindy's personal life or the start of her professional life and how those qualities seep into her sometimes um autobiographical when it comes to characters work um is something that we think is significant and also less known so we're going to be talking about that a bit kian would you like to tell us what today's theme is female friendships what would you like to explain why your take on female friendships matters i see on the google doc that on the 27th of september you've tagged yourself and saying write this and i said you're not going to do it and you said watch me i just think that improv is important shut up to the art form of podcasting stop wasting my time with this okay. pulling shit out of your ass just say something i feel like my take on female friendships matters i don't know why i wrote on the google doc could and could be flirty with yourself but i um <laughs> Yeah, cause Pahev, even when you wrote that, I asked you what it meant, and you were like, "You'll see." See, things happen. Anyways, um, <laughs> I have been um surrounded by strong, independent women throughout my life, and I. Have... <laughs> okay, Pahev is gonna be Pahev is gonna be helping us out because a lot of the media that we consume is a family of three, the three of us. Um. Um, delves into that theme, and I know that uh, it's often the aspect in the work that resonates with Parthiv, or like his favorite moment tends to be that and stuff. Kian and I are a female friendship, but Kian, me, and Parthiv are very much a trio. So I think that, um, both in proximity and in third person POV, you have things you can offer. Yes. Yeah. See, wasn't that good improv? That was. I didn't know good. I was going to say any of that before I said it. No, you were so clear. I love that you said go ahead. All is forgiven. Okay. I want to I have a confession before we begin. Cuz okay. I want to be transparent with you guys. Um I recently bought eggs and have been cooking them for myself to eat. And the thing is that for I think two whole weeks I forgot to have any source of protein. and someone asked me and i was like oh 
true. And um, it was the cheapest thing there. And I didn't think I'd like manage. And I've like, it's not like I've been enjoying it that much or anything. It's like, I've been like going through it, surviving it. But um, I've been eating eggs once in a while for like, honestly, lunch, not breakfast. And um, I might go and buy a second set of eggs soon, but I don't know. But I just thought I'd tell you guys. Okay. That is, I'm very affected by this news. No, that's why I wanted to tell you. I thought, like I knew it would have some bearing on things, especially because I've been so vocal about not liking eggs. But I also know that you are too, more so than me even. And um, this was really just like a meet, like, you know, when people back in the days to be like hashtag adulting, I feel, I understand that this is more of that and less of like me being like, how can I do this thing for myself? So I have been eating eggs just to stay afloat. And I wanted to share it with you guys um, because I didn't want to like, you know, like come up if like you were talking to my mom once and then you were like, Sana eats eggs when she goes there. Like, does she change completely when she goes? Do you know what I mean? You mean not to bring it up with your mother? No, that's not what I said. I, I don't, like, okay, I just feel like I'm losing people from my corner. No, like, no, I'll be... Everybody wants eggs, and, like, I don't want I don't, eggs. I don't want eggs. And when we eat together now, you and Parsifal are going to be okay with having, like, an egg dish. No, I'm not. What do I, I would, have? Kian, Kian, I would not go to a restaurant. Parthiv, if you're going to cough, you have to Are meet. you okay? <laughs> Sorry, that's the opening. Forget the phone call. Cackler. <laughs> Kian, I am never, ever going to go to a restaurant and be like, let's get egg. I'm never going to do that. Ever. Okay. okay? I'm never going to be yes. like, let's have an egg dish. It's really more like, if I'm like, I really can't order out right now I really cannot step out to get something I have to finish yeah, this yeah. I need Fine, to eat exactly. something and I have not yeah, had yeah. any protein over two weeks because I did I don't I know I've mentioned this on the podcast I think there was a whole week where I ate sweet potato for one meal every day and I used to be a hater and you know what maybe my body's changing maybe I'm in a second wind of my puberty my dad said to me this summer he was like I feel like you and Johan haven't gone through puberty yet and he meant it and I was like what are you talking about <laughs> I don't know he was like no yeah he was like you're still in your awkward phases or something and I was like dad how can you say that but maybe he's right and maybe this well maybe it's not that actually I have just become more um perceptive to what is like gut friendly for me so like I was like "Mm, sweet potato like I have my kombucha with me right now you know and a while ago, these might not have been things that I would eat, but I genuinely enjoy these things. The egg, I don't genuinely enjoy. It's really more of like a... Wait, look at my bicep, guys. Look at my bicep. That's so scary. Looking so strong. Someone take yeah, a screenshot. Like go. Someone take a screenshot. Someone take a screenshot. <laughs> moment. I took screenshot. You look like you're going to go and beat somebody up. And I will. I will. Like a fighter. Kian, if... You know what? This is a great um, way to tie this in. If ever I, we are at a restaurant or we were eating at one of our houses in Parthiv and I like, if I suggest I'm like, Parthiv, let's get an egg dish. You have um, like a voucher to get me to punch my own self in the face. Oh, so true. Done? Done deal? Yeah, (laughs) done. 
<laughs> okay, let's let's begin. begin. <laughs> so we talked a bit about the relevance of this theme before the break. Um, for one thing, area of criticism. It has certain overlap in the way that we've talked about motherhood and male-dominated spaces, but also within the context of male-dominated spaces and sort of what the Bechdel test actually endeavors in the earnest of its goal or when it's like um do you know what I mean like the good intentions of the Bechdel test have to do with more female-centric mm-hmm. stories and female friendships related pieces definitely cater to that but at the same time if we look at um a lot of female-centric narratives or what we understand them to be there's a lot of um domineering male gaze within that and we can see that a lot in the use and appropriation of the form of a rom-com and sort of the fallacy that lies within it because it's made for the consumption of women but um, the actual narrative and the gaze within it is one that women consume to then be sort of consumed by men do you know what I mean we also wanted to talk a little bit about the difference between a chick flick versus a rom-com would either of you like to explain what that is well I think the dissection is very clearly seen in the difference between a movie like Bridesmaids and a movie like Sleepless in Seattle. Absolutely. Do you see how, like, different those two movies are thematically? Like, in my eyes, a chick flick isn't about the dynamics between a man and a woman. In the well, I, I, I would disagree and just say that, like, a rom-com can be a chick flick, but a chick flick is not always a rom-com. But I feel like there are some... Yeah, that, that that does make sense. But I feel like there are also some rom-coms that aren't chick flicks. Yeah, definitely. I, I would say that maybe they fall under, because I think a chick flick is a, as established by Kian's, you know, coining of the C word, a chick flick is a definition that's like given from the outside, right? Like if it's a C word, if it's like the slow for it, it's not by the people consuming it. It's by the people who are like, this is a chick flick and I am not a chick, you know? So I think that it can come under that but I think what you mean in our shared definition as people who claim chick flicks is like, it doesn't, um, it's not like a female-centric story or it's like not for women in the same way. Yeah, because especially in a post-Billy on the Street being cancelled world. Was it cancelled or did it just stop? I feel like it was cancelled. You know, Parse, if you often say things were cancelled that were like, after four great seasons, we are going into our fifth and final season as originally intended. And you're like, they got cancelled out of nowhere. But there's no plots. How do you know it's going to be his last season? Anyways. Maybe he had other things he wanted to do. Like bros? Yes. Bros sucked. Anyways. Passive. Everyone has agreed on this. I don't know why you're acting like so brand new. Sure. Wait, can we talk about how there have been... There's been the happiest season, Fire Island, bros. And then one more is also... There's one coming out with Jim Parsons in it. Yeah. And it's called... I watched the most revealing trailer I have seen in my life. Everything was given away. And then the movie's called Spoiler Alert. What? Yeah, the movie's called Spoiler Alert. And you're acting like you knew already. Can unmute yourself. Yeah. There was also that Christmas gay movie single all the way. I don't even know what that is. And everyone's acting like all of these movies are the first ever to have a gay person in it. Which, that's, you know what? They that's should. genius. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. I really enjoyed my hand. No. I think that was made for me. If this that was an trailer. SNL, if this was an SNL sketch, they could have posted, they could have done that trailer. Yeah. Because it's literally yeah. before this couple meets until one of them dies, Kian. And they show you the whole thing in the trailer and then it's called spoiler alert. If this was an SNL sketch, it would be genius. If this is the actual movie, I'm a little confused. 
So to summarize, I feel like the distinction between a chick flick and a rom com is that a rom com discovers the dynamics of a relationship, while a chick flick is either presented specifically from the point of view of a woman, or is about womanhood and the dynamics between different women. Okay, I don't think that that's also, true. Chick flick. I'd like to add. To I that. think yeah, Kiana. Funny. I think that. in my opinion romcoms can sometimes be less about the woman and more about the man in the sense that it's about this like narrative that's fed about finding a man which sort of and, and with romcom tropes it's typically not conducive to um just i don't like feminism <laughs> that's yeah, going yeah. on No, yeah, I I think also another thing is that because I think that many chick flicks are rom coms, many rom coms are chick flicks, and so I don't know that I agree with Patna's definition of what a chick flick is just now. I think that's more of like a female centered story that we see as people who claim and value chick flicks. But I will say that there are certain chick flicks that do not, you know, fall under the rom com banister or like overlap in the Venn diagram, and a lot of times you can. see that difference in like the kind of role that the female friends in it have so in like 13 going on 30 in sleepless in seattle in you've got mail in when harry met sally even the friends are kind of there advisorily and they're here to like be like so how's this going and that's really what the backdell test is sort of founded on it's like two named women having a conversation about something that is not a man and I think that while bridesmaids, for instance, like I'm taking that to be our non-romcom chick flick because that is a quintessential female friendships movie, um, and we've said it and we'll keep saying it. Um, it's about Lillian's friendship with Annie, and I think that while they both have love interests in it, and that does come up, that's not what it's about. You know, Parthiv has displayed the heart emoji on the Zoom call. Um, And I think even in there's a few other ones which we'll get into, but the case is kind of the same. If the female friend's role is not to help exposit what is going on love wise or catalyze it in some way, then it's able to be not about that. So another thing is, as we well know, the start of Mindy's career had a little bit to do with. Her basically working on a play with her friend Brenda Withers while they both lived in New York. Mindy was babysitting. Brenda had another job, and they would have an hour of overlap in their days. And evidenced by like the full hour it's taken for us to get to the actual meat of this matter, because we've gone on so many tangents and just been catching up. It's almost impossible to like really like work with your friends in one hour and to actually get something done. And um, because you're always like. Walking and like, wait, did I tell you about? And like, you you kind of just want to chat, and then you're like, no, wait, we're doing something. We're walking. The point is, they start walking on bits like of impersonations of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon that evolved into um their show Matt and Ben. It was part of a festival, I believe it won. Um, it had like an off Broadway run, and at that show, Greg Daniels came and saw the two of these friends who had made this thing together, and saw Mindy, and was like. I want her, but I think that that starting point is noteworthy in terms of career timeline and how that may be affected her relationship to female collaborators, female friends, things like that. Brenda, um, 
well i don't want to get too into it but brenda was like you know in like a lot in the first book um is everyone hanging out without me and that was a book that was released in 2011 which was before the mindy project had started wait actually guys i want to ask you a question so the la times posted a video 8 years ago but it was on my recommended and i was watching it and this was the title and it said getting in the mind of the mindy project's mindy gating and i just wonder to you is it the mindy project's mindy gating or mindy gating's the mindy project in my mind it's mindy, mindy. gating's the mindy project yeah and a new partner yeah mindy gating's the mindy project i would agree yeah so very interesting to me like she's not known from the mindy project the mindy project is known from her right true yeah i also feel yeah. like the mini project is a little more niche than we assume it dude, is dude yes but you know what else actually while we're on the subject so i was talking to my former academic advisor cuz he listened to the podcast shout out neema love you hi was that too much anyway <laughs> basically he was recommending he was like maybe you should try and reach out to like mindy fan groups and see if they'd be interested in this or like reddit threads and stuff and i looked into it and i was like there are literally none there are accounts that were there in like 2016 that posted a bunch of pictures and then just like stopped and i realized cuz i used to act like i was the sole fan of the mindy project in this world that like there are more many more but it's not a community you know mm. like Mindy Project fans don't know each other. You have like a friend you watched it with or came up with, but it's like a secret you guys have. There is no community of Mindy Kaling fans because for how famous she is, how much work she's done, like all of those things, I think a lot of like similar celebrities have like, like you know, not even just like for interview reasons, introduction reasons, being like fan following, but they have a community of fans. And Mindy does not have a community of fans, and I found that interesting. Hmm. I mean, you'd much. I think that's changed with Never Have I Ever, though. But that's, that's like Never Have I Ever show. fans, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think this is somehow her least known work, but it's like, in my opinion, her best one. I but... think even Sex Lives of College Girls gets more like Twitter talk going on. For yeah. sure, but that's what I'm saying. All of these, all of these groups, somehow their outward appearance to people has more to be claimed, and through that, they're able to. create a community and i think that with the mindy project people just want to connect to mindy because they aren't aware of any other community and i'm i'm guilty of that but i just thought it was very interesting like people's outward willingness to claim mindy you know what i mean yeah cuz her work is largely claimed uh but i digress so basically matt and ben was their play greg daniels saw them particularly mindy and he was like i want you to work on my show Brenda did not get the same request basically they were asked to develop or adapt Matt and Ben into a tv series called Mindy and Brenda which i saw a little bit of the pilot of recently and um the pilot did not get picked up i found out that it was a producing partner for the pilot was Steve Martin guys what what yeah isn't that odd of only movies yeah movie. yeah Oh my god. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. So yeah, yeah, of that and that alone. But um we'll talk about that in a second, but I think that Matt and Ben is noteworthy because well, it's her first collaborator was her female collaborator was a friend and as I think I've vocalized Freddy on this podcast but also like in any verbal conversation with anyone ever making things with friends is the dream, right? Like it's like the dream. And I think that 
it's almost like this story and the adaptation of it the fact that two female friends wrote it together gave insight to this relationship that's been very public and kind of confusing where like they had very different family lives and they've known each other since they were kids Matt and Ben and Danica mentioned this in the episode we did with her but like she was watching I think Ben Affleck's career timeline one and he was talking about a child acting thing he did and how Like he was like, oh yeah, I got money from that. And then my family like gambled it all away. And I think Matt was doing this at the time, and their lives shaped up very differently. But they were always like in touch, like tied to each other. And this point in their friendship is seen as like a pivotal moment where their paths are starting to digress. And it talks about like, well, in real life, Matt and Ben's friendship did sustain, but the play dissects the troubles and the failings in their enduring friendships, the complications, and like the fact that like. Yes, they were friends, and they've been friends for this long. But it's really their history and all the expectations and weight of the history that sustains them. And this idea that it alludes to of them not being well matched or at a place where their paths might diverge is eventually what happened to Mindy and Brenda, which I find to be very interesting. Um, especially because they didn't really know that at the time. Um, and so when the pilot didn't get picked up mindy was actually very relieved about it she said in her i believe book pilot was a quote from it would you like to read it to us the pilot didn't get picked up my agents were disappointed and i was very very happy i'd had so little hollywood experience that i wasn't smart enough to know that this was a big career setback i was just relieved that that show wouldn't go forward with my name on it the only other thing i had keeping me in los angeles was that i'd been hired as a staff writer for six episodes of a mid-season NBC show that was the remake of a British show called The Office. And mid-season NBC show because like another show had gotten cancelled and uh this was just there to like fill airtime because like it got cancelled mid-season. Wait, why did she say she was happy about it? Um so in the previous paragraph in the book what she says is the network cast two stunningly pretty and perfectly sweet actresses. By the time we shot the pilot though, the script made little sense. It had suffered from the daily changes made by shit execs, shit in all caps, who put too much stock in what is cool now. Being zeitgeisty was the biggest criterion for the show. Being funny as maybe fifth important after wardrobe choices, hairstyling, cross promotional opportunities with advertisers, and edgy sound effects. By the time we shot the script, Mindy and Brenda bore no resemblance to us, figuratively or literally. I believe in the shooting draft they were both fashion bloggers who worked at a cupcake bakery and were constantly referring to their iPods. This was 2004 when iPods were the white hot reference. I am not proud of that script. Um don't you feel like she put the word zeitgeisty in there just for you Parthiv? She did, but also iPods cuz I'm a big iPod fan. <laughs> you are? Yeah, ask Yana how an iPod nano that I carried everywhere. I had an iPod something the hot pink one that was I had the hot one, pink but, one yeah so she gave it to me when she realized that she didn't want it i so. think i got mine for my eighth birthday and then sarah for her birthday got the same one but in purple and i was like what you're too good to be a girl <laughs> okay so then she went on to work at the office um which began i believe in 2004 but let's check 2005 but you know what 2004 tv season cuz Ma- march 2005 wait on my the day after my birthday so i was freshly aged 3 and the office was airing yet another astrological connection between me and mindy who's surprised 
So when we're talking about the office, there is one noteworthy female friendship that blossomed for it and exists. I feel like I can't say among us because they do have like a following and do live shows and my our listening is limited to me being like guys new episode that you have to listen to it to you and my parents and so there's the office ladies so that is um jenna fisher and angela kinsey i'm gonna check if that's her name yeah it is okay um who also angela kinsey actually wait that's kind of sweet angela kinsey's and never have i ever as ben's mom is yep. that sweet yeah Aww. are she and mindy friends i mean i'm sure they're all friends yeah and i feel like the issue with the way that we're talking about this to me is a little bit stressful it's just like it makes it seem like mindy doesn't like women and she doesn't want to be friends with them but i think we need to acknowledge that she was a writer and then a cast member after that whereas the other females on the show it was the other way around and she was a writer in a room of six which was populated by white harvard graduated men like matt damon right i didn't know he was a harvard graduate but that's interesting well you should have watched the real parthiv or listened to the episode or watched um matt and ben but you didn't know and you didn't know any of those things and that's why you didn't know but regardless um i think that because of that her relationship to the like success in the workplace and like opportunities she's gotten in demands she's been able to make have been without like my friends coming to you know like that's not something that was within her reach especially at the time and so it's not that she wasn't friends with these other women it's just that what her work on the office looked like was more writers room heavy than um cast you know like she wouldn't receive a script she would be working on one um moreover the lack of women in the show and how they were all kind of separated from each other like there were four main women right there was angela who worked in accounting there was phyllis who worked in sales there was tam who worked reception and there was kelly who worked customer service and they were one like very sequestered from each other like truly in four different corners of the office but also far fewer of them than the men which is befitting of like a symptom of the american workplace at the time because that's what the office is framed to be but also if we think about the women's arena in the office it was the party planning committee which notoriously was a place for like bickering and undermining and like not having enough room at the table right so it was this one female centric space where they were kind of like a, in many ways by their own doing bit against each other but it was also like if angela was the head of the party planning committee and people disagreed with her they would conspire to get michael to reassign like phyllis as the head of the party planning committee so it was very much like a a space they existed in that was not really their own but it was like their job you know so i think all of those things in female friendships in the workplace and then if you think about it um The mini project is also a workplace comedy, and she has experience learning from this one show, which did very well. Where like there were certain things to model, and if there are other things she wanted to insert in, which she often did, like um, Mindy's love life and stuff about like body things, and like actually drawing emphasis to male centric spaces, maybe her lived experience and the experience she had in creating things didn't really. Um, make it such that female friendships were something that occurred to her to include but of course the lack of anything anywhere regardless of its ability to fit in has room to like give scope for criticism 
for like I was telling Kian, I think I would be very good at being one of those people who worked at a magazine. I was like, well, New Girls aren't there anymore, but like New Girl episode weekly recap, like that's the kind of journalism I'm interested in doing. And when they're doing that, if they're trying to be critical, largely they have to be like, well, what about this? And it's like, yeah, I guess, but do you really have, do you really mean that? Or do you really have that point? And would you be writing that if not, like if you didn't have to be writing something right now? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yes. Yes, that before. makes sense. I was nodding before. Um, and so if be- women being pit against each other was kind of the experience and then um, Bharat has said something about the Mindy project. What did you say? Wait, actually, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'll just go through this. Okay, so then when um, Dr. Anna Zeev, as we covered in Male Gays and Male Dominated Spaces, um, joins the office. This is like difficult for Mindy because she doesn't know how to have a female coworker at the same level as her or doing the same thing as her because that immediately um, creates a point of comparison. Um, and when you come back to this idea of Mindy and Brenda, it's like they both shared this goal of doing something creative together, but only one of them really got to do it in this huge way, kind of on her own terms at this scale with this amount of recognition. And like, Brenda's still a playwright, but I think that not to diminish any of her worker achievements or anything like that. And I'm sure that working on like a network um, format, kind of like we covered with Quinta, except like again at that time, there were maybe certain creative sacrifices or choices that Mindy had to give up in order to get to actually make the work that maybe Brenda didn't likewise face getting to originate her own work um, without those limitations of perception. So thinking about that and the language that they probably used to justify it at the time, maybe made it not Mindy's priority, which is perfectly fine. So if you think also to when The Office got the Emmy nominations and Mindy was the only writer who got like snubbed and she had to get all of those letters written by people who are not even her superiors, but literally her co-workers um, legitimizing her contributions. And likewise, when they try to make Mindy and Brenda, they, Mindy tweeted about this like in 2016 or 18, but she was like talking about how they were like, there's no Indian actresses. And so they like opened the call to like a wider group of people. And then eventually they did get an Indian actress, Noreen DeWolf. And she was in like, like anger management. And um, I think she was an outsource. Did either of you watch Outsourced? Really interesting. I think never heard what that is. Oh my god, it's literally a show about a call center in India. Oh my god, maybe you should watch it. Yeah, I used to watch it. It was I like recognizing actors from it now doing other things. Regardless, they wanted to cast like they didn't let Mindy and Brenda be in it, and then they were like, "Well, if we can't find an Indian actress," and they were like willing to like negotiate on the fact of her being Indian. I think some of that was like the landscape of the work and then like well this is reasonable this is the business whatever and the choices that Mindy got to make and what her priorities got to be within that again which is perfectly fine so then if you think of the idea of Mindy and Brenda getting cancelled or not getting picked up and Mindy being like thank god it was a thing that was very much about a female friendship and it was almost her first original work but was it what she wanted to be making and I think that if we consider that um, as like a unique selling point or like something that would get something produced today that comes from a place of importance yes but like was it what she wanted to be making and if you liken that with like what if the Mindy project was about being Indian 
So if we look at the Mindy project a little bit, the first thing that comes to mind with female friendships is Gwen. Gwen is Mindy's best friend with a baby. Um, and a husband and a house. And a husband and a house. I think she's a, like a recurring character in the first season. And yeah, she but she like was, I think... No, no, I think she was a, like a series regular and then she became recording, like whatever the down date okay. is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, I think by season two or like by yeah. the Thanksgiving episode or something like that. Yeah. Um, there were also and like then two, she just disappears. Yeah, there were also two more other friends. There was um, her friend who's even blanking on who was like, there's only one thing that gets me out of bed in the morning. It's the same thing that gets me in. <laughs> Dudes. And then there was her other friend who like literally was dating Danny for a while. Remember? Alex? Her friend Alex? Yeah. Yeah. Birthday episode. All so forgettable. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if they're forgettable, but yeah. it's not even really that she left, but truly, once she became a recording presence, we never saw her again. Never to be mentioned. And like I said before, like, first of all, this entire gang of friends evaporates by season two. Why? Because Mindy gets engaged. When she gets engaged to Casey, does she call Gwen? Does any of that happen? No, it's all Morgan, Morgan, Morgan. And so there's no... And then Peter comes in. And I think especially at the entrance of Peter, which I'll talk about a little bit in a second, these female friends are never to be heard of again. Like, even if the friendships are souring or she was comparative with them, because I think Gwen, in some ways, if they had, like, explored this as a closing point, it could have been interesting if it was this thing of, like, can women really have it all? And Mindy's like a career woman, right? And she wants all the things Gwen has, but Gwen doesn't have the thing Mindy has, which is also important to her. So I think if that was something that was navigated a little bit or if she was maybe competitive with Gwen about it in a way that proved to be its own narrative arc and not just like moments here and there that could be construed as that, that could have been interesting. But that never did happen. Uh, and we have a quote from an article, but I don't know where the art- I forgot where the article is from. Kian, would you read it out? But Mindy Kaling told reporters Tuesday during the Television Critics Association Winter Press Tour that view- viewers weren't likely to feel a difference when it comes to Kian. Her part on the show hasn't changed story-wise, she said. It's a workplace show, so we weren't using her as much. And I think that, again, the thing that I said about The Office, that was kind of like, if you look at The Office... Like, there's at least three, if not more, couples that are, like, within the office. No, there's, like, four. There's four noteworthy couples. There's Jim and Pam. Then there's Michael and Holly. Then there's Andy and Angela. Then there's Dwight and Angela. Then there's Andy and Erin. Then there's Erin and, like, young Jim, whatever his name was. And I just think that the way that the office was structured was, like, how much of the outside lives do you see? So it was a little bit of, like, applying the workplace... um comedy and the romantic comedy and it was like okay so you get to see their work lives and you get to see their dating lives and I just think that there's this quote from the office that Kevin has at one point which completely is emblematic of this entire phenomenon which is just like he was lying about having a girlfriend or something and then they asked what her name is and he was like she goes to another school which was a very funny line as an adult who works in a paper company with these people but it also kind of speaks to this very insular sort of self-contained world in which they live because like where would you really know someone from plausibly if everyone's at work all the time even in the um most recent emmys when mindy and bj presented that award together they were like mini series you ungrateful sons of bitches um we worked on network tv we had 22 23 
episode seasons we had no choice but to be around our co-workers all the time and form extremely complicated like relationships with them you know what i mean yeah consensual workplace relationship okay. <laughs> and then there was this idea of other women in the mindy project and um there was a there was an article on hollywood.com which was like it doesn't make it any easier to watch as many of her female characters get slowly sidelined for in favor of new male characters even the cast members that remain are woefully underused and by making its character landscape and its character relationship types so one dimensional so male dominated the mini project isn't just doing a disservice to women but to itself for as with any show that leaves out a significant part of the human experience female female relationships and a spectrum of relationships which i think is an accurate assessment a shortcoming of the show there is um an article from a website that i think kian you should say the name because i don't know how to say this okay try popitic <laughs> it's spelled p o p o p t i q and um i'm just going to read it because i think that this is quite a sentence it says the mindy project appears to be a rare beast that female driven show which fails to represent any relationships between women whatsoever and i do think that like the relationships between females in the show are largely expository somewhat perfunctory lackluster um and then we were talking about this idea of friends in later seasons where like there's an episode where she has a girl trip to like Miami or something which gets canned because she has to go to the school and um like she and Danny get called into the school and then they get trapped in the elevator and then they have like a lustful evening in the elevator when he's like engaged and like she's also like about to be with Jody right yeah so all of this happens and she has these two friends who she has made kind of coincident like incidentally i'd say like one of them was Jeremy's ex with a cocaine addiction who worked on Wall Street or something and then the other one was like her neighbor or something and like do we see them ever again after this episode is there any like accountability the fact that the strip has been missed or does she want to go again later not really in fact i think that um not to appropriate the phrase used earlier because i don't mean to create any comparison but like i think that the female friendship can be a rare beast in fact and as someone who is like i think in a best friendless place for the first time in my life like actually wait mindy notoriously said that a best friend is a tear and i think that the more i subscribe to that and the less that i have a singular best friend and this like codependent really important relationship in my life the more i'm able to be an individual and if you think of another retreat episode she has later she has that whole um what's it called like wild thing remember she goes like on the reese with a spoon like retreat whatever and then reese yeah, with a spoon comes to her as like a premonition yeah yeah and she goes on that alone and i think a lot of the mindy project after she gets with danny and after she's done getting with danny the first time is about her learning to become an individual so i think that that's an interesting thing that's also represented that kind of like how the bechdel test mandates that like these things happen and assures you that then it's fine i think that not doing one thing doesn't mean that there's an absence there. i just think the space might be being used differently however without any outward acknowledgement of that phenomena we can't one see intent to represent it and to see one's views on it or like what relationship is being compared you know what i mean yeah um so parthiv had a really good insight and i think you should say what it is 
So we were thinking about the Mindy Project and another show that we frequented throughout the summer and the last winter as well, mm-hmm. which was Sex in the City. Yeah, Sex in the City is our show that we watch as a cool down. Like we watch one episode of it after we finish watching a movie, especially a movie that we were kind of like, what is that? It's our, it's our coffee bean, it's a palate cleanser. The most interesting slash moments of comedy um, in both the Sex and the City and the Mini Project. Mm-hmm. And we realized that most of the, the eventful happenings uh, in the uh, Sex and the City episode... Like the central scenes. Yeah, happen during the breakdown or the, the post-mortem. The debrief, yeah. yeah. The debrief, which is the four of them or sometimes the three of them. Um, on, or sometimes the two of them. Or sometimes the two of them. In a, in a walk-in talk. Yeah, which is also... And so- in one case, a bagel scene where she forgot to bring the cream cheese and she was being a bad friend. Do you not remember that? I don't remember this particular episode. We'll talk about it later. Um, and these were the, the focal scenes, these conversations between women about their romantic or sexual adventures. However, in the mini project, focal scenes are the romantic happenings themselves. And the sort of screwball comedy of a relationship. Screwball comedy. I don't yeah. know if I agree with that, but continue. The Mindy Project is a screwball comedy. We can continue. Um, but the mishappenings of a romantic life. I we think don't... also another thing is that in Sex in the City, they work like, like their work never overlaps. It's not a workplace thing. So she talks to people in the workplace because there are workplace scenes, you know? The same reason that Gwen kind of got removed was like in her capacity as her friend who lives in Connecticut, like how much she, could she really be here on a show that they realized over time was becoming more and more workplace because that's what Mindy at the time at least knew what to write and was learning to model. Not that she didn't know how to write other things. It's just what she was writing and what she had written, you know? Yeah. And in Sex and the City, the protagonist works freelance. Like, she, like Charlotte would be like, I want to learn to ride a horse again for some reason. And Carrie will just like be there with her while she's like petting the horse, ready to get on the saddle or whatever. Because she can do that because she works freelance. And I think that that's a structural quality in the show that like doesn't lend itself to this. So in that way, you could say that the mini project is a work that contains female friendships not a work that is off female friendships. I disagree. What about characters like Tamra and Annette who even though... But I don't think I see either of those characters as like her... Fr- like Annette is 100% not like her friend. It's definitely like the guy she's dating mother with whom like a personal relationship emerges. And even Tamra, like they definitely work together and they're definitely both females, but I don't think she'd ever be... Want to go like confide in Tamra, share with Tamra. Like they have scenes together, but I don't know that I'd say that they were friends, which is also fine. I, again, I think that the lack of female friendships here is due to the structure or the form. And also, well, actually, okay, so the Mindy Project basically was trying to, in some ways, revive the honestness of the rom com, but also reevaluate what it looks like to be the leading lady in the rom com by putting Mindy in it and then seeing how the world changes due to like the insertion of this new species within it right and I think that it maybe was a little too early for it you know I think it was like I think it was ahead of its time in the way that like all these rom-coms that have come out now are succeeding uh because Sex in the City which started in what the late 90s right yeah so Sex in the City was this view of New York that was like kind of post-romantic it was like romance is dead right that's like how the show kind of sets itself up it's like these people who are like 
like Miranda has this quote she's like I go out with all these guys and they think all this and then I go out with the ugly bald guys and they think the same thing and whatever and so then it's like it's just the kind of like aromanticizing or deromanticizing their like love lives or whatever and it's really more about like sex in the city and actually that's interesting when we come back to when we talk about sex as college girls in a minute but um I think that this post like Judd Apatow landscape which you know like the 40 year old virgin and all these other things except like bridesmaids even like the 40 year old version was a film that Mindy was in they kind of like satirized the form of a romantic comedy but when we talk about these two different views of New York right where Mindy has this like Nora Ephron Meg Ryan romantic view and um there's also this like sex in the city Jarapata they're not the same thing but I guess okay if I'm saying Jarapata let's say goals okay so the sex in the city and like goals view of New York when Danny happened which was the big romantic thing in the show and you could feel it at the time when it happened even though she'd had other romantic moments she spoke to Peter about it her BFFs are Morgan and Peter so maybe this is somewhat dictated by the lack of longevity for rom-com style BFFs and how they like are in their DNA and when they go from a, like the up to 20 minutes that they have in a rom-com to something more long-form format, is that something that's fulfilling to the actresses playing those roles? Do they want to do that or do they want to work on other pieces? And the male gaziness that prevails through it definitely affects that too. The inactive male gaze on Mindy that works for the friendship with Peter and with Morgan, where they can be like, you look smoking, but we know that there's no active threat of sexualization, are things that work for the friendships because those friendships help solve the romantic relationships. Yes. Okay. Then, of course, we have a pod fave because it's essential to our conception and that is Never Have I Ever. Do you guys know what that is? Yeah, heard of it. (laughs) So, in Never Have I Ever, Devi has, in season one, she has two friends, Fabiola and Eleanor. And she's going through a lot. Devi's going through a lot, but she loses track in sight of what's going on. What's she going through, Kiran? Well, her dad passed away suddenly. Mm -hmm. She had a psychosomatic paralysis. Mm -hmm. And she's having boy drama on top of that. Which is part Um, of this sort of coping that's happening as well. Yes. Um, And she loses track and sight of her friends' feelings and emotions. And they're going through hard stuff as well. Fabiola is struggling with coming out to her family. And Eleanor's mom abandons her again. And Davy's being a bad friend. And they confront her about this. She apologizes and they patch up. Then again, at Ben's birthday party, Davy's more focused on what's going on with Ben and Paxton and is not paying any attention to her friends again and sort of abandons them at for the party. And then there's a big like climactic scene, her whacking something out of Fabiola's hand because she apparently can't communicate with Fabiola because Fabiola doesn't want to talk to her. Yeah, that scene was um, a lot. Yeah, and then Fabiola's white suit gets soiled truth that's an explanation of someone who I think that's interesting post the Mindy project and what Partha was talking about specifically where she like comes in the office just talks about her life and she's like well I'm the protagonist mm-hmm. of this show but these are other people things are going on with them too and um when she's like treating their lives as side plots they're like hey we're friends like I know yeah. I, I, and Fabiola says something about this I wish we had the quote with us but she was like I know you've been through a lot 
And I know that this happened and that it was difficult for you. And we've been there with you through that. But you are being a bad friend to us now. And you're kind of using this to get out of that. And that's not okay. Yeah. And in season two, there's the introduction of Anissa, who is another Indian girl who, that the group befriends. And she's also dating Devi's ex-Ben. So automatically, there's also another... um introduction or inclusion of this women against a woman against another woman yeah what? it's this spitting against thing. yeah it's a spitting against thing but it comes up in the situation where it's like yeah i guess when the same friend group um yeah. which seems to be like a conflation or navigation that mindy's work gets more cognizant of as time goes on and that eventually leads to um a very horrible thing that devi does she starts a rumor about anisa um and an eating disorder that she might be having which turns out to be true and that's actually the reason that Anisa moved schools um and Devi feels terrible and her friends do hold her accountable and um advise her to apologize and make it up to Anisa which she doesn't do in the best way but eventually everything is fine and Devi and Anisa do for forge a friendship that's not really there in season 3 but at least she retains her first two friends well i so. will say anisa's also not really there in season 3 she's like yeah she's there for a kiss or two but like she's also like eh, through a lot of the season i think that well i almost made this parallel when i was talking about the first thing what about like what fabiola says but i think what has happened is um the female characters and their lives are allowed to be fleshed out as actual characters not like the kinds of jokes that they get or the kind of b plots that would supplement the episode well enough and so if we compare like shauna but also more importantly characters like kelly who like none of her issues have a legitimized or anything it's just like kind of there for a one line or two um like we don't really know what's going on with her we just know that like she has an on again off again with ryan but like that's really it and i think that the construction of these female characters became such that the protagonist being narcissistic which is kind of like uh, an occupational hazard um becomes something with consequences and so when devi is being narcissistic in the first season she is being a bad friend it's not just like well that's how this works and she is like interfering with difficult things happening with her friends and then in the second season likewise anisa actually having anorexia as a big consequence to this line that otherwise would have totally fit in the show and been without consequence just because it could be and i think that that is a strength in her shows um and then in 2021 so in 2018 when we had a baby that was 2 years before i never have i ever came out which was in 2020 and the open call for it came out in 2019 and Uh, in 2021 she got a pen pal kian would you like to tell us a bit about that yes so mindy had a baby and um she was feeling super isolated being a single parent and she found that she needed more strong individual female friendships in her life and so um she signed up to this i don't know organization i guess and mm-hmm. um and she got a pen pal who she's super close to now they write to each other very often and she is a large part of mindy's life and uh, mindy talks quite fondly of her making this friendship 
Mindy, I could literally write letters all day. I could, I swear, you could DM and be like, hi, oh my God, you could send me one of those like sugar mommy messages, except you would never have to pay me. I would talk for free. <laughs> you know, and it's like, hi, I just want someone to talk to. I'm lonely. Just like twice a week. If I could talk to you about my troubles, you can. If you're looking, if your pen pal needs um, to tap out. But I digress. Um, then we have her 2021 um, HBO Max series, Sex Lives of College Girls. And if we go back to the Sex in the City model, it's from female friends navigating and unpacking their um, romantic and sexual lives. But it isn't really jaded or cynical or even unromantic necessarily. It's just more tune in to the goals and their experiences than their love or sex lives. And if we consider the passive voice in the title, as opposed to like, college girls and their sex lives or something like that it's kind of a clunkyish title to be called sex lives of college girls but it places its um emphasis and focus very clearly there's an insider article in which pauline chalamet who plays a character named kimberly talks about um these aspects within the show Parthi, would you read this first highlighted quote for me i think that is a big way in which it changes from the early 2000s series and movies that we had that would focus on college age students you have four completely different women with very different storylines and very different forays into their sexuality. And then um, she continues, though the four women start off in the show as strangers, they quickly forge a friendship in which they have each other's backs. Chalamet, whose character often looks out for others, said that she was happy to see the series dismantling, quote, all tropes of females being pitted against each other. Many women know that female friendships are like the most important thing, she said. There's a real intimacy that's created. The show does a really good job of depicting that because there's a way that you share in a group like that and there's a way you open up and we don't really see that much. She continued, it is a result of, of the patriarchal society in which we live, where ultimately the structure of the system we live in wants women to be pitted against each other. And it's just not the case. Women are our best allies. And I think that's, that's something that we see with these characters. And I think this last quote in particular, uh, the thing where she's like, it's a result of the patriarchal society in which we live, is an excellent flip on an evolution of the monologue that Mindy delivers in Mindy, Ka- uh, Mindy Lahiri is a misogynist, the episode where Anna joins the practice. So she's like, well, you know what? We, it is all because of the men too. This is the patriarchal society and you pit us against each other. So it's not my fault. And in this instead, it's like, that's not the case. With this can be other things. And that's something that we wanted to explore and put emphasis on here. And I think it is a true exploration because it's not like they're just randomly best friends. And I think that they each have their own journey into that friendship. And that's what makes it good. Um, I've written, What have you written? I literally have no idea. Okay, I'm going to read this aloud. This- I'm going to read this aloud if anyone can help us. Um, what's the word? Like unencrypt this message. Please do. I think we can just figure it out. <laughs> It says, Untitled Sanya Kian Passive Project. Then there's one bullet point and it says, Her work evolves to model and prioritize female friendships, but it's never the subject matter it's interested in exploring slash dealing with. Comes with a consciousness of the kind of work to be made. And then the next line says, Let's talk about our essential readings for female friendships. I'm sure I had a point. I just didn't write down what it was over here. I will say though, We've basically, I'm not going to get into too much depth, but Sonam Kapoor, Mindy Kaling, as a group, as a WhatsApp group, in fact, um, 
I have an idea for you and my non-negotiable uh, historically is Kian and this time it's also Parthiv. They are my non-negotiables and Soram, we have an idea for the um, second act of your career and Mindy, we have, we have, a, we have an idea or at least I do that I think uh, you should listen to. So that's, that's on that. Yeah. So you should, we're going to be announcing our numbers by the end, towards the end of the <laughs> podcast. Or and like, you should write them down in your diary. Yeah, also, uh, yeah, like hit our line. I don't know what to say. Can you guys yeah. see my nipple through my top? No. no. I'm so disappointed every time. What is the point? <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Hi. Welcome to the game segment of... Indicating. Today we are returning back to the long-awaited and sorely missed C-word. Um, she may not have been we in... We saw the C-word test. It's part of the C-word. Oh, was it one of the C-word games? If it wasn't yeah. before, it is now. And, it was, um, As per the rules of the game, Parthiv, unfortunately, cannot play because that, that would be breaking rule number one. So, um, Parthiv is going to be our game master, and that's a position he enjoys quite a bit. Kian, wait, there's a clip of Karan Johar on the Coffee Awards this season where he's literally doing an impersonation of Parthiv, and I'm going to send it to you. It's not true. Stop showing this video to people. I, I need to see it. Yeah, he's literally, like, it's literally, he literally was like, guys, should I impersonate Parthiv? And then he did. And it's truly the Parthiviest moment ever with the W. Just say it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> play, it, play it for the class and watch it again. Then see how he's kicking his leg. He gets so excited. Thank you for giving us that gem part. So thank you for possessing Karanjo body. Thank you, Siyadu. Thank you so much. Okay, so we are going to play the Bechdel test. We, I don't know how we detoured so far from that, but now we're Oh, it was my fault. It was my fault. I'm sorry. But now we're back and Pasha is going to be our host. Can I please have the reins? Go for it. As usual, the Bechdel test, at least the game, requires two women, Sanya and Kian here, to speak extemporaneously for two minutes about a topic that is not a man. And I will add three more rules to make it harder for these ladies to succeed. The rules this time are, there has to be alliteration in your sentence. Okay. There has to be rhyming couplets. Huh? I reject this. Why? Because it's too much effort. Because it's an ass part of it. Listen, guys, I'm a man. I'm supposed to make it hard for you guys. <laughs> Alliteration, rhyming couplets, and the topic of choice is media you've consumed in the past 30 days. Oh, it's a zanzil, darling. Are you ready, Kian? Are you guys ready? No, you go time- first. The timer means it has to be sentences, so we'll do one rhyme. Yeah, and they have to be rhyming. Two, one. (laughs) Sorry. Um. On Friday, I saw Tar with Kate Blanchett. On Wednesday, Abbott Elementary under my blanket. On Friday and Thursday and Wednesday. I find Sanya Jaffa, I can't get you out of my mind. (laughs) (laughs) 
Mungkin Sanya begitu Miriam Kan sih Meng Do you think people we were in high school would think that was so lame? I was talking to and she and she every time I talk to she's like Yeah, you spent your entire summer with Sanya and Kian, no? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah I thought you were gonna say something like affirming to be like No, no, you guys aren't lame But like truly I was like Right now, we're really playing this game that like I bet our teachers, even on PD day, they're like, this is a bit much. And I just wonder if people from high school think well, which they probably do. You know, they probably, they probably like, why are they making a podcast together? But also, what are they doing? They're like, they're living the First of all, I just want to say, because for some reason you're listening to this, who's a bigger loser? At least we spend our summers making this podcast. You spent your holiday listening to this podcast from another continent. Okay. Yeah. You know. And you have the same five friends that you had when you were since the sixth grade. However, I'm friends with all those people. They all think I'm cool. <clears throat> If they think this is lame, that just makes me complex. <laughs> Snap your fingers at that. Snap your fingers. Nice. Okay. What? My name. My name is Bella Hadid. Fatim, you know. Okay. Hi guys, welcome back. Now that we are both um acclaimed both feminists. I was getting to it. We are both acclaimed feminists and lame to people we went to high school with. Both? Both means like we are all both of those things. It's not such a complicated whoa, sentence whoa, whoa, whoa. that I said. You I guys think- were just you guys were just ready to like no think I was being wrong before I even started. I thought that's what you know tend to say about. Um, let's talk again about does this idea feel relevant to Mindy and all her works? Yes, and what? I feel as though it's relevant because we expect it to be featured greatly in Mindy's mm-hmm. work, just because of the references that she is often inclined to. Mm-hmm. But when we watch the Mindy project and when we watch Of, like her repertoire of work, and we and we don't witness that greatly. Uh, we take greater note of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we've done for this podcast. And like yeah. also the fact that this is, I mean, it is a valid criticism of at least the Mindy project, and perhaps a, perhaps even the Office. But uh, she didn't have as much creative control on the Office, so that's different. But mm-hmm. it's also interesting to know. the evolution of mindy's work and how her new new newer works like never have i ever and sex life for college girls do feature um meaningful female friendships yeah so it seems like she has paid heed to the to this criticism yeah i think also like she found ways to make it relevant to the work not just like fit it in because yeah. in times yeah. when she has done that what's happened has been like episodes like mindy giving is a white man you yeah know? like you can only be so um like you have to be kind of on the nose when you're explicitly addressing a criticism and i think that she like is pretty receptive to feedback but yeah. um it can't just be like okay let me change everything to now include this because it's just a fit in and make some amount of sense which even some choices within the work don't but it's very much an ongoing navigation to what it seems um i was actually talking about You know the Mindy project and rom coms as an influence and the workplace 
as a background when we talk about the context of reception and production it was definitely a time where female centric narratives on tv or what i think is like a fallacy of a female gaze that's very much when that started to originate um like around the times of new girl and this and a little bit glee and a few other shows like that and i think that the the issue was that rom-coms were very like of the 80s and 90s at this point and even the ones in the early 2000s were like teen things and chick flicks and 2012 was not the right time to be a rom-com but or like a rom-com type work but i think that it was just kind of ahead of its time and it was about the context of reception at the time um it also just brings us to a bigger discussion about rom-coms and what killed them what killed them then what revives them today and what is applicable to the mindy project which i will be talking about in a future episode maybe too and um as i said earlier in my incoherent um babble which which was what did i call it untitled pathil kian sanya project um mm-hmm. me and my two non-negotiables kian and pathil we would like Hi. um to propose a meeting with you mindy and sonam when mindy and sonam met and when mindy tweeted i would really like to work with sonam kapoor what happened guys my life changed say it mm-hmm. say it your yeah, life changed exactly and i have an idea that will it will literally change the shape of this earth so hit our line kian say your number out loud 9871 kian stop <laughs> If you were like wow these people are so lame regardless of whether I went to high school with them I hate them um guess what if you don't this podcast happen ever again because you're trying to reduce like our digital footprint being annoying wise the power is in your hands all you have to do is send this um go to our instagram at @diamondkillingpodcast and send the profile to Mindy send the posts to Mindy tag her in the comments tag her collaborators if you know people who know her send it to them and be like hey please help me put an end to this madness like save comment share post your story listen to the podcast over and over and over um just have it playing on your phone do whatever you want to do in order to amplify us and as soon as we get to the desired volume we will stop speaking if you did like our work however guess what kian what would you say that the resemblance rate in a percentage is of the things that you could do 100% do the exact same thing absolutely and um if you are sonam or mindy hit our line kian said her number already um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Do you guys have anything you'd like to add? Just love and peace and blessings. <laughs> and if if you want a high school with us and you think we're lame, guess what? I'll open your Instagram profile and call you lame. Guess what? I probably unfollowed you months and months ago. I also want to say happy Diwali guys. Happy Deepavali. How are you happy feeling? Happy Diwali. Yeah. Um For those of you who don't know what Diwali is, go watch that episode of The Office called Diwali. Mindy yeah, wrote it, exactly. and it's really going to do nothing to give you any clarification about what Diwali is. But you can do it anyway. You can also you watch. Can Google it. You can also watch Aisha because there's a Diwali party in Aisha. Um, and also, why would you not watch Aisha if you could be watching Aisha? That's what I was saying. You know what's so funny? What? Even though Diwali is supposed to be a triumph of good over evil. In the Diwali scene in Aisha, evil wins. Arti. No, no, no. 
it's a it won it, it wins the battle but god wins the war because she says ab tak tumne dekha hai kya that is true yeah he who does he go and sit next to after she sings he says she says arjun aap koi driver log ko bol doge mujhe ghar chhodne ko like she, she's ah, having she's ah. having to work like twice as hard to get half as much also all i should do is sit all i should do is sit all i should do is sit and relax her facial muscles and then she was like delhi mein koi curfew hai kya and then he had to go and then she was like masi why are some people damas h a l l moreover what she's wearing in that scene i'm going to wear to a function at kian's wedding which yes. happened also नेक्स्ट वन बा